What up, friends? This is Hannah Nitz, and welcome to the There's More podcast. This podcast exists because I am obsessed with letting the world know that there's more. There's more to experience in God. If you are a believer, it doesn't stop with getting to know God and like his salvation and going to church and going to small group. Like there is so much more in your interactive, personal, one-on-one relationship with God. And I get so jazzed about letting you know about it. So that's what I do on this podcast. Uh, Just essentially babble on about that. So today I'm bringing you in to, um, I suppose, a little bit of my own Jesus time, time in the Bible, of just something over the past couple weeks that I've been seeing over and over and over again as I'm reading the Bible. And I've been saying, God, is this important? And then I read another verse and it's there too. (laughs) So the answer is yes. So I thought I would just share some of that with you all. Uh, And it's one word. It's this one word, this one four-letter word that has kind of rocked my world. And I'm excited to share it with you today. So I got my Bible and here we go. So I just wrapped up a five-week Bible study in Colossians. So I've been hanging out in Colossians a lot, but also um, my favorite thing to do is Bible bounce. So it's really hard for me now to stick to one book of the Bible because I love looking up cross-references, which I didn't know are these tiny little verses at the bottom of your Bible. Like each verse has correlating verses. (laughs) I'm sorry if this sounds so basic. I did not know this. So like you'll be reading in Colossians and there'll be a cross-reference to read this verse that talks about the same thing in Ephesians and John and Isaiah. And it's just crazy. So between cross-references... And then um, looking up the definition of a word in the Bible. So today I was just doing this for the word light. Looked up the definition for it. Looked up where else in the Bible does it use this word. And it took me to all other places in the word. Okay. So that's Bible bouncing. Essentially going from all different places in the Bible. Because instead of studying one book of the Bible, I really love studying a concept or something that God is teaching me. Like I'm kind of open-handed to say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to know you. I want to learn from you. I'm going to sit down for this 30 minutes, one hour, hour and a half, and I just want to be with you. And he takes me on a Bible bounce. So this has been happening the last couple of weeks. And I have been noticing, no matter where I'm bouncing around in this beautiful little book, um, man, I'm starting to notice this word that I've never noticed before. With. W-I-T-H. Not that you could spell it any other way, but just in case you're wondering. With. Um, I've always known what God did for me. And all of a sudden, I'm reading all these verses that talk about God doing things with me. Like, it's not just God looking down and being like, you a sinner, you a mess, and then saving me. It's like this personal invitation to do things together. And he invites you into it, too. And I think it's the coolest thing ever. So here's an example that I've been thinking about recently uh, in the world of coronavirus on how this all connects together. So I live in Ohio. 
And every day at two o'clock, our governor, um, Mike DeWine, does a briefing, a coronavirus briefing at 2 p.m. And this has turned into a whole thing. Like, I feel like the whole state of Ohio at two o'clock stops what they're doing and watches the governor. He gives updates on the numbers. Uh, He shares about everything that he's doing for us with his awesome Dr. Amy that he works with. Like he's shutting things down, getting more testing, you know, implementing different strategies to help keep Ohioans like me safe. Uh, And even though I've never met the dude, I could actually list off all these things he's done for me. Like Mike DeWine has got my back. (laughs) Uh, He's done things for me. But the thing that I'm starting to to make the shift on is what if instead, if instead of Mike DeWine is doing things for me, what if he did things with me? Like, what if every morning this dude gave me a call <laughs> before his two o'clock meeting and was like, Hannah Nitz, I really want to talk to you about this briefing. I really want your opinion. Like, can you help me make these policy decisions? Or what if he stopped over my house and was like, hey, Hannah, can you come to the video briefing? and be on the screen with me giving updates, my relationship (laughs) with Mike DeWine, what up, sweet governor, if you're listening, would be very different. If instead of him doing things for me at a distance, he did things with me. This is what I'm experiencing with God, the same difference. I've always loved God, but I always viewed him kind of like Governor DeWine. He was an authority who cared for me, He did things for me, he protected me, and he provided. While those things are still true, I'm understanding this moreness to step in, that there's a with. I now view God as like a husband or a father who stops by my house and invites me to do things with him. Like he has become that closer, interactive person. And guys, as I'm reading through the Bible, this has been blowing my mind. I keep saying over and over again, wow, everything God has, he invites me into. Like, I have not yet found something that God has that he doesn't share with me. (laughs) And that's a crazy concept. Like, how have I never seen this before? He isn't far away, like, waiting for me to do things or show up at church or sing to him. Like he's near and he's walking with me. And that's wild. Okay, so I've been going through, again, that Colossians study. And when I got to Colossians 2, um, I read the gospel, but I noticed something about the way that the gospel was described that I had never put together before. Having been buried with him in baptism— in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. Okay. If you just breeze through those words, it's the same story of the gospel you've heard. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you've heard many, many a time. Um, honestly, me, I'm sure I've heard this verse hundreds of times, but this time it was so different because when I read it slowly and I meditated on some of these concepts, it like straight up blew my mind. God didn't just die for me. He died with me. God didn't just raise from the dead for me. He raised with me. 
God isn't just alive. The resurrection didn't happen for me. He is alive with me. Okay. This means that as I face brokenness, sin, if I struggle with stuff, uh, pain, God literally can bury it with him, raise it with him, and bring it to life. Me and him. This means like as my pride starts to take over again, which is uh, something that happens quite often to me, and I want to bring back the Hannah show where life is about me and I need all the attention. God invites me to literally bury it and step into new life together. For some reason, I just always pictured this as like a transaction or a 12-step program where like everyone follows the same plan. Like, yeah, you sin, you do this. Like you ask for forgiveness. But instead, I'm understanding that it's the creator of the universe who is actively and personally walking with it, with me, us together. Like, as I've been longing and desiring something deeper with God, it's like he's opened my spiritual eyes to this with concept, like this togetherness, this union with God. And it's actually funny because (laughs) early in the year, I was in a small group of women and we were talking, like we're going through a boot camp on how to enjoy spending time with God. And I'm supposed to like kind of be leading this group. But I was like, guys, I don't know why Jesus had to raise again. Like, if he came to die for our sins, he died. Like, he died on the cross. He said, it is finished. The veil tore so that we had complete access to God. Like, why the raising again? I didn't get it. And I feel like no one quite knew what to do with me in that moment because... (laughs) I'm supposed to be a spiritual leader of some sorts. And I was asking, why did God have to raise Jesus from the dead? But this is the new Hannah where I'm just starting to ask questions about everything because I want to know God personally, not just this is what my pastor says. This is what this verse says. Like, I want to understand it. And one of the women said, Hannah, if you look at the cycle of brokenness, buried, raised, and alive. It isn't just this one-time event at the cross. Like, you will see this repeated in your life. You will see this repeated in nature. Like, it is something God did and then invited us into. Man, and when I read this verse in Colossians 2, I was like, this is what she was talking about. Like, the cycle of buried, raised, and alive is a physical picture of a spiritual lesson that I am invited to experience and partake in day after day, week after week. Straight up. Like just this week, um, I was really struggling with, uh, man, I don't even know how to vocalize this quickly. A lot, okay? I just, it was a tough week. And I was processing fears or anxieties. I was processing sin in my life and just all this stuff. And I'm just um, feeling a little sad about it with God. I'm just sitting with him asking for forgiveness and uh, just trying to process this stuff. And I reread this verse and all of a sudden it's like, Hannah, you are raised with me. You are alive with me. 
why are you living as if these physical things on earth are the most important? Like, he literally invites us to raise with him to this new life. Like, did you freaking hear that in the verse? You were dead in your trespasses. God made you alive together with him. Man, the rest of Colossians has also kind of blown my mind on this because uh, it then goes on. I'm trying to remember where this is. I think in, yeah, Colossians 3 to like put on your new self. And it goes through like, um, you know, don't put on your old self with its with its practices and its sin and, you know, malice, slander, obscene talk, but instead put on the new self. And, you know, it's saying as God's chosen holy ones, be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient, bearing with one another. And again, I would have read all these words and been like, okay, so this is kind of a to-do list to like make God happy. Like this is what I do in order to like act like a Christian. You feel me? And man, that is just, it's a, it's a whiff. Okay. So, so pushing further into that. So your, okay, okay, here it is. Colossians three, two through three, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Okay. Again. So I've always thought this set my mind on things above. And that list that I read was a guideline, like keeping God happy. I thought that if something was dishonoring or sinful or selfish, like God would look at me and be like, Hannah, remember, (laughs) set your mind on things above, like act like me. And again, I reread this verse and I was like, wait a second. It says with. Like, we, why am I setting my mind on things above? Because God has physically taken my life and hidden it with Christ. It's like, man, I am literally invited to live like Christ with Christ. Before it was like, I have to live this way because that's what Christians do and that's what would please God. But as I'm reading these verses in Colossians, it's more like, no, no. (laughs) This is how Christ lives. He lives in this resurrected new life and he dwells. He thinks and sets his mind on things that are above and does not get caught up in worrying about the things on earth. And Hannah, you are invited to be alive with Christ, to live with Christ. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Man, when Jesus was on earth, I keep, you know, reading. I'm I'm trying to get through John right now. And I started it uh, in July of 2019. And I'm only in chapter seven. (laughs) Granted, I did tell you I do a lot of Bible bouncing and I just did a study on Colossians. But as I've been reading through John, it's like God does these miracles. He was meeting people's needs. And I keep reading these these stories and being like, man, I just got done reading about him feeding, you know, 5,000 people. And I was like, Jesus was meeting people's physical needs. He was healing their pain. 
But every healing, every interaction, every miracle was always an invitation to a spiritual miracle. Like he healed the lame to get attention about healing sin. And he fed the 5,000 so that he could in the next chapter explain that he is the bread of life. Like when Jesus was on earth living as a human, he literally had his mind continually set on things above. Even if he was doing the physical, the day-to-day, it was always a pulling and a longing to lift people's eyes to what mattered. So this is why when this verse in Colossians says, set your mind on things above, it is not, Hannah, make sure you act like a Christian. Hannah, make sure you please me. Hannah, make sure you don't sin. It's literally the rest of the verse, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Man, I've been seeing so much how God talks about his truth being hidden, how he, tra- how he talks about um, understanding being hidden, wisdom being hidden. And when I read this about our life being hidden with Christ, it's literally like when I play peekaboo <laughs> with my two-year-old son, Harvey, and he puts his little hands over his eyes and he can't see anything. And then he flails his hands in the air and he waits until I say peekaboo. Like, I I picture my hands over my eyes that as someone's interacting with me, they shouldn't see me. I mean, they'll still see me like we're on earth and, you know, I'm kind of like loud and large and in charge. So (laughs) you're probably going to see me. But this verse says that we are hidden with Christ in God. Man, like everything God has, he invites us into. He is inviting us to do life like he does. Seek things that are above, not things on earth, and hide your life with me. That's freaking bomb. So as I'm reading the Bible, this question that I always put at the forefront of my mind, no matter if I'm reading Genesis to Revelation, anywhere in between, God, what does this teach me about you? That is constantly, constantly my question. Uh, Man, I was reading a section in Ephesians recently, and I was really struck with this super vivid word description of the interaction between God and Jesus, which is like a double jackpot. Like this teaches me about God, teaches me about a son, all wrapped into one. So uh, this is in Ephesians. uh, What verse is this in? Galatians, Ephesians. Does anyone sing like the Bible songs every time they're looking at the Bible? Okay. It's in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 20. Uh, that the work in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. Okay. So Jesus was literally dead. Again, back to my question of why did he have to raise again? It's a good question. (laughs) Jesus was literally dead. Heart not beating, smelling nasty, limbs completely immovable. And God took him from a state of 
literal worthlessness and brought life back into him and then sat him at his right hand in heaven, like next to God. That is straight up the biggest promotion I've ever heard. Like he seated Jesus. He took Jesus straight up from the grave to a place of authority, sharing in his ruling, sharing in his glory, like straight up the right hand of God seated in the heavenly realms. Okay, so I'm reading through Ephesians and I'm like, dang, that's sweet. Thankfully, I kept re- I kept reading. <laughs> so chapter one of Ephesians is kind of opening this, like this, this understanding of who Christ is and how God interacted with him. Y'all, then you get to chapter two and it is nuts. So it starts with chapter two and you were dead in trespasses and sins. So same thing, like you were dead, just like Jesus was. And then I skip down to verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which can we get an amen for that? Even when we were dead, again, like Jesus, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So coming back to this whole with, dead with him, alive with him, crazy. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, buckle up. Verse six. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Christ Jesus. I'm sorry. What? Like the same thing I was just looking at that Jesus got to experience of being from dead to the promotion of the right hand of God. We have the same thing like mic drop game over mind blown guys everything God has he invites you into he didn't just like Jesus didn't just die for us he didn't look down he shared in his resurrection and in this power seat next to God like he seated us in the same seat of authority, of ruling, and of sharing in his glory, he sat us with Jesus. That should make you dance. Like, man, that is so different from this God who is just waiting for me to do things for him. When I think God does things for me, I do things for God. Like, My relationship with him was kind of transactional and reciprocal and like a small formula. It's like he died for me, so now I serve him. He forgives me, so I should try to sin less often. Like he gave me grace, so I better go tell people about Jesus. Do you see how this works? And again, there's good in that too. Like there is truth in that. He did die for you. We do do things for him. That's true. But y'all, when you take a step deeper into this sweet, sweet water, when you begin to understand God does things with me, so I do things with God, your relationship becomes intimate, it becomes inseparable, and it becomes world-changing. As God invites me in, I respond with surrender. When God offers all of him, 
with me. I respond with all of me. And it's something deeper and closer. When I'm in his resurrection with him, in the shared life, in the most intimate and important seat possible, I am invited to something with the creator of the universe and the God of all things. It's not Mike DeWine style, far away, making policies that affect you and keep you safe, and you pray really hard and hope you say the right words so that God hears you and protects you. It's like, sweet listener, you are dead with Jesus and buried with him. You were raised with him to a new life, and you celebrate your life together being alive and hidden with God. I just don't think there's anything better. There's no greater news. Well, thanks for joining me on the There's More podcast. Always love hearing from you. You can head to hannahnitz.com, click on the Say Hello button, or join us over on Facebook. Just search for There's More Podcast. Would love to hear any feedback, any um, topics you would like to be covered. Just, you know, anything your little heart desires to tell me. I am just all ears. As always, we want you to know that there's more. There's more to experience in God. And I just really hope that as you start spending more time with God and more time in the Bible, look for the word with. It's going to blow your mind how often you see it, that God invites us to something with him, and it's deeper and sweeter than anything I tasted before. Friends, there's more.